This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Angela Winter is from Leeds, England, daughter of goodly parents and the heavenly variety too, sister to her siblings, auntie to two, one living and one angel baby, mature student, earnestly striving toward an associate's degree from BYU-Idaho, majoring in marriage and family studies, and she hopes to specialize in child advocacy family counseling. She also mentions that she hopes to realize this dream before turning the big 50. (laughs) Uh, She loves to craft and channel her inner Julia child in the kitchen. She loves to learn and discover new things and also loves roller coasters. Her favorite is apparently the Hulk coaster at Universal Studios. I'm Tara McCausland. Thanks to our listeners for joining us and welcome, Angela. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) As I mentioned in Angela's bio, she is from Leeds, England, so I hope you enjoy her lovely Yorkshire English accent as much as I do. We joked beforehand, though, that some of you might need a translation. (laughs) I think we'll be okay. (laughs) Um, I told Angela to talk slowly for us Yankees, so I think think you'll understand her. But also, just for your info, I've mentioned a time or two on this podcast that I served my mission in the Leeds England mission, and Angela and her family were some of the first to welcome me into my very first area as a greenie missionary, and the the Winter family fed us probably weekly. Is that right, Angela? Yep. And we just had a ton of fun, so I'm still so grateful for your family, Angela, and the kindness that you showed me on the mission. You guys were just a bright spot for me always. So to start, if someone were to ask you for only one reason you believe in the restored gospel, what would it be? I think for me, just the main thing is that that I matter to to Heavenly Father, to my Heavenly Parents, that I, it sounds really basic, but that I'm, that I'm a child of God. I, I think that is something that I like to think that it's like throwback knowledge from from pre-earth life, I guess. Um, it, it's just something that I've always known um, and always felt that I matter to them, that they love me. Um, it, I mean, I have a recording, a really old recording on um, cassette tape from one of my grandparents uh, singing I'm a child of God and I actually thought the song was for me mm-hmm. uh, it was written about me um, which obviously I was a little bit disappointed to find out in primary that everybody sang this song um, and that it was about them too <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah it's just it's something that um, that I've always known um and through good times and through really challenging times that knowledge always stays with me and it's it's a reminder really a heavenly reminder i guess that 
that no matter what that I matter um, to God and that he is aware of me um, I've had countless priesthood blessings where they usually begin with um, Heavenly Father loves you Heavenly Father is aware of you Heavenly Father is mindful of you you matter to him again that's always backed up I just think that um, that that is something that is really important to me um, and a massive anchor point to to who I am, I guess, who I try to be. I love that so much. I think that basic understanding and just really letting that absorb can make all of the difference when we really believe that we matter to God and that our identity is planted in that relationship with our Father, that we are His child. So I think while basic, that is not basic to the rest of the world. And so if someone were to ask you that, I think that would be so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Now, as people might have surmised by listening to your bio, you are a mid-single in the church. I think for most of us, we, we grow up making our wish list for our future spouse and family and marriage and children obviously haven't been a part of your story up to this point in your life, which can be really hard in a very family-focused church. So can you share how you've coped with this challenge and how you have found purpose as a single sister in the church? It's a tricky position to be in um, because, as you said, to a degree um, in church life, you kind of, you know, um, you're baptised at eight. Boys are ordained to the priesthood. Well, I know now it's 11, isn't it? But, um, you know, like you have these ages that, that you work towards and you go into young women's. And I, I think that we we have marker points uh, within the gospel and they are kind of related to age. And so I guess when you're in young women's, you kind of think, all oh, right, OK, we, we we recite the young women's theme and we're talking about, you know, making and keeping sacred covenants and, um, you know, receiving the ordinances of the temple and all that type of thing. And, and you kind of you really often you think, well, you know, maybe by this point I'll be married, maybe by this point I'll have children. And when those times come and pass <laughs> um you kind of you think hang on a second have I missed something here you know did I not mm. get the memo like it can be difficult to navigate because it can then I know for me it made me question hang on a second like I've lived the gospel I've tried to be as good as possible you know like I'm obviously we're all imperfect, we all make mistakes, but as far as living the gospel was concerned, I felt that I was doing the best that I could. Um, and so I thought, why are these blessings not coming to me when I'm trying to do um, all the things that have been asked of me? And so it, it, did, it did affect my self-esteem a little bit um, and made me kind of wonder, did I need to change certain things about myself in order to realise these these blessings? Um, you know, and I think it's a really destructive path that 
that we can possibly go down um, when that singleness kind of is a prolonged period of time where you begin to think, well, if I do, you know, if I change my hair colour, if I change my figure, if I, you know, um, increase in my knowledge and my testimony, if and that's not a bad thing, by the way, but it really does mess with with your head, I guess. When other when you see other people and they are um, progressing in the life, again, that is not a bad thing. And you know, I've seen many of my friends um, marry and and go on to have children, and I've been happy for them. Um, and you know, they've been wonderful examples to me um, of what marriage and family can look like. But it sometimes you can kind of get into the mindset of well when's it going to be my turn and because you you're expecting things to happen in a time frame that is yours but we're not on my time we're not on my schedule we're on the lord's schedule uh, we're in his timing and and his hands and so i've had to reconfigure the way in which i think about things and think right okay well what is it that the lord wants me to do why why am i here how can i serve um how can i become better um and i guess i've been able to um i feel that i am quite maternal um not having children is you know it has caused a really deep grief I guess in me because it that was something that I always wanted um always kind of thought that that would be in my future and when you know the years have have gone by obviously the chances and opportunities to be a mother um have kind of passed me by um but I've been able to have all my seminary kids um and I've been doing it that long I suppose that now I have like little seminary grandchildren I like to <laughs> um and uh yeah that it's lovely it's really it's a lovely thing to see that they just teaching teaching them um it although don't get me wrong I still after all this time do not like getting up when that alarm goes off, it's like, <laughs> oh, I just, you know, you'd, especially in those really cold, dark mornings, you just want to turn over and turn the alarm off and forget about it. But then, you know, I, I just, I just roll the covers off and just get up and, and just go and do it because being with them being able to learn from them um, and being able to teach from the scriptures and learn together. Um, that's brought me a lot of joy um, and I'm able to uh, bake for them and um, which they love. I think that I've been able to show that maternal side of me and I've been able to, to share that with them. Um, and so that that's, it's been a massive blessing, a massive blessing to me to be able to do that.
But um, but yeah, it it is a tricky position um, to be in as a as a single sister because when you're surrounded by families, you can kind of feel lonely. But again, even in a family, even in a marriage, people can feel lonely. Yes, uh, it's just something that that I have to navigate and remind myself that I have a place within this gospel that the the Lord is inclusive to everybody. I belong there just as much as anybody else and my worth is not determined by my um, marital status or lack of it Um, and my worth is not diminished or, you know, I am not lesser in value um, than um, than somebody else. We all have a place. Um, we all matter to the Lord, and we're all at different places, different stages within our faith, within our testimony, um, and regardless of of where we are and what we do. Um, and what we've attained, let's say in brackets, we matter. The Lord has a has a plan for for everybody, and and also acknowledge that everybody else is trying to do their best, regardless of of status or or lack thereof. Everybody's just trying their best, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I love. I wrote this down. My worth is not determined or diminished by my marital status. We could probably take marital status and we could replace that with anything where people might feel lesser than in God's kingdom, whether they deal with same-sex attraction or uh, they're divorced mm-hmm. or you know all of those things that may cause us to feel lesser than or like an outsider mm-hmm. in God's kingdom. And I think it really goes back to you understanding who you are, that at, at the core you don't define yourself by your career or by your accomplishments. You believe at your core that you are a child of God, and that is how you define your worth. If we can all go back to what you said at the beginning, which is, I matter to God because I am His. Yeah. I am His child. That can keep us grounded and focused on what's important and understanding that our worth is unchanging in the eyes of God, regardless of our circumstances. And so that caused me to think, as you were talking about markers in the church, um, you know, as you had, had suggested, we, at 11, we're going into young women's or receiving the priesthood for the boys, and we go on and we have these markers that we want to reach in the church. But for some, we don't get to those places in this life, at least. And so maybe briefly you could tell me what are some of the the markers that you have established in your own life on your own journey to help you recognize your personal progression seminary um an institute i'm a seminary graduate and also an institute graduate a few times over actually but we won't go we won't go there with that but, um, <laughs> um being a seminary student really um was where Obviously, in primary, we gain we gain truths, little little truths along the way, and our testimony is building almost subconsciously, subliminally. We're kind of 
we we're, we're learning and, and our testimonies are gaining momentum I guess the things that we believe in but when we begin seminary we begin to hang on a second is this really is this true is it is this for me um long term because living the gospel is 365 days of the year 24 7 till eternity my first year was the book of mormon in seminary and and i just i remember right at the at the beginning of the year i suppose i did it in the backwards way really in the right at the start of the year uh we were reading um the account from um from the first vision that's in joseph smith history um in the pearl of great price and we were reading that and studying it and asked to study it um and i just remember being in my room after i'd studied it and and i was just like right i'm gonna pray about this i'm gonna see you know if if this is if this is true and um I remember reading it and just this overwhelming feeling that from the Holy Ghost that what I was reading was true um and I know that is not everybody's experience from from reading that particular account um because there, there are a few accounts um pertaining to the first vision but this was the account that I was reading and um yeah I just I I knew I knew it was true I knew that that Joseph had seen um the father and the son I just knew it and and so obviously as as I went through reading the Book of Mormon and studying more about that and studying for myself not just because my parents said oh this is a good idea um and as you know me I am quite a determined person so if I want to do something then I will do it um and um and so I just decided to really put the time in um and uh and study it for myself and um and I was really grateful that I that I took the time to do that because my testimony of the Book of Mormon um, was gained really from that point. Um, and and as I keep reading it, I discover more and more things. Now um, in my forty fourth year of life, I'm still learning, still growing, still. Um, discovering things from from the pages of the Book of Mormon, from the people that I'm studying about. I would say a testimony of the Book of Mormon was was another kind of stepping stone mm. uh, for me, a marker, a spiritual marker. And and I would say the next spiritual marker for me was receiving my temple endowments. Um now, ordinarily, you would, back in the day, back in the olden days, um, you would only go to the temple to be endowed um, if you were going to serve a mission or if you were going to be married. 
And I remember my bishop at the time, I was, I think I was 25, 26. Um, I just remember my bishop um, just having an interview with me and he said, Angela, have you thought about going to the temple? And I was like, not really, no. Like, <laughs> it, it's not really something that I'd ever considered before. And I went home and, and I remember chatting to, to mum and dad about it and and saying, you know, Bishop has spoken to me about possibly going to the temple. Um, and for my parents, they were just like, well, that's something that you've got to decide whether that is something that you want to take on because temple covenants are more serious, um, you know, that they, they have more brevity, more more weight to them, more responsibility. Um, and, um, and so I just remember studying what I could about the temple um, and I just remember opening my scriptures to the Doctrine and Covenants uh, randomly um, but I remember the it's the section that has the verse where it says um, be thou humble you know the Lord will lead thee by the hand and give the answer to thy prayers but it was the next line that stood out to me and it just said I know thy heart and I just thought right okay well the Lord knows my heart, the Lord knows um, who I am. And that was just, that was enough for me. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'm, I'll go to the temple then. So <laughs> I just, I just set the wheels in motion. I said, right, Bishop, okay, I'll go, I, I, let's go to the temple. So, um, and and I was endowed in the Preston Temple, which is only like an hour, an hour's drive away. Um, yeah, so that was um, just a wonderful um, experience. And the temple is somewhere that I love to go. But yeah, I, w I would say that um, being endowed has been something that has brought a lot of strength to me um, in just so many ways, I would say, in my mm. life. I love what you said about choosing different markers for yourself, which have been seminary, um, graduating from seminary institute, as well as being endowed. What I hear as you talk about these things is that you have focused on developing a testimony and becoming truly converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that, that is where your focus has been, and you have placed emphasis on your spiritual growth. And we know from Scripture, says that now is the time to prepare to meet God, and we can do that whether or not we're married or whether or not we have children. We can all focus on our conversion and coming to know God uh, regardless, again, of our marital status, etc. But there was a quote that came to mind, and I've actually posted this on Instagram previously, but President Nelson said that above everything else you are seeking to learn, seek to know God, your Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Come to know them and love them as I do. And you, you are doing that. You are preparing to meet God. So I appreciate that even though your experience hasn't been the, you know, 
uh, get married in your early 20s and have five kids by the age of 30 and that your emphasis has been placed on preparing to meet God. And so I think that should give us all hope um, because our, our lives are never going to go exactly the way we planned or hoped for. That is the nature of living in a fallen world. However, if we keep our focus on God and developing a relationship with Him and a testimony of Him, then that's all that matters. So to move on, you've dealt with some pretty debilitating health challenges in your life. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that's affected your your life? Called lymphedema um, that affects the function of uh, the lymphatic vessels. Um, and I didn't know that I was born with this condition, um, but I had a road traffic accident where I decided to collide with um, a what we would call a dustbin wagon, um, a garbage. Yeah, you're going to need to translate, yeah. <laughs> garbage truck, um, and I decided that I was going to walk, and this garbage truck decided that they were going to run the light. Um, and so we kind of collided um, and um, yeah I I received no broken bones from this accident um, incidentally um, I remember waking up from this this accident and people in white were stood around me and they called me by name and they said, Angela, keep still, keep your head still. I didn't know who these people were. Um, and they just said, keep still, keep still, help is coming. And when I described it to mum, I just said, and the ambulance came straight away. Well, that doesn't really happen. <laughs> An ambulance doesn't come straight away, but... Uh, whatever you want to call them, angels, heavenly messengers, they definitely, I was definitely administered to at that point. Although looking back, I, I just thought it was somebody who just come um, to the scene. But they were definitely, they definitely had light around them. Uh, so we can surmise what we want to surmise. But yeah, mm. somebody was definitely looking out for me. And so from that point on, uh, with the um, onslaught of puberty as well, um, uh, beginning in my body, um, it caused my lower limb, my lower left leg to swell to epic proportions. Um, and it got so bad at age 17 that it was about 47 inches around the calf. It mm. was um really really big my leg um and um it was debilitating um i was ill every pretty much every two weeks with um an infection called cellulitis um and um this was weakening my tissues in my leg and everything um and i was really really ill um, and felt really low, um, like it was it was such a big challenge. Obviously, it looked horrible, um, and I knew that people would look and stare because I looked different. Um, 
I remember be, sitting in a wheelchair at Disneyland, actually. Um, we'd gone over for a family holiday to visit my family who live in Utah, and we'd gone down to California to Disneyland, and I just remember sitting in a wheelchair, and I remember um, a woman kind of pointing and and talking behind her hand, and I didn't really mind little kids um, asking me what it was because little children they don't ask with any agenda they just ask really directly and and I I didn't mind that but yeah it was it was very hard uh, and I was bullied um at school um because of it because people didn't really understand uh what it was but cut a long story short I was told at 16 that I didn't have any other alternative but to amputate my leg, which at 16, I didn't I didn't really want to face that. Uh, that was not something that was acceptable to me. And so as a result of this family holiday, I saw doctors at primary children's and then at the University of Utah, and I ended up staying um, in Utah um, and receiving uh, medical treatment and surgeries um, up at the University of Utah. Um, and um, I had extensive skin grafts and um, and surgeries to, to help to debulk the leg a little bit. Um, I'm by no means cured because the condition that I have is not curable at this point. Um, but um, I have... A little bit more mobility than I had before but now I have um, limited um, feeling in my left leg I have a lot of nerve damage um, yeah so I've got ongoing health challenges um, I now have hip problems because of the extra weight that my leg was um, it's caused some arthritic pains within my other hip mm. <laughs> um, you know you just you just have to get on with it um, but yeah it's it, it is a challenge um, but there are other people who are facing much more much more complex challenges than I am I just I think that we get the challenges that we either need or that are going to help us grow and I just think well it could be a lot worse um things could be a lot worse and and I am helped um a lot with uh, with treatments and that type of thing um and so yeah you just you just get on with it really you just get on with it <laughs> oh I just love you Angela that's really hard stuff but it, what's fascinating to me is that we can have a situation like yours where you've, you've dealt with singleness, you've dealt with um, debilitating health challenges, and, and you're not asking, why me? You're saying, you just get on with it. And, and so I just feel like there's so much power in choice and agency. We can be experiencing the same thing uh, obviously not exactly the same from one person to another, but a very similar circumstance. And for one person, they may turn away from God because they, they feel picked on. 
and they can't understand why this hard thing could happen to them because they're righteous or because, you know, whatever reason they might give. And that that is their justification for turning away from God. And others will say, you just get on with it. And they see God's hand in their life, like you, that you recognize the small miracles and the blessings and the tender mercies. And so I just, the more I interview people, the more I recognize it really is a choice. We will experience hardship in this life. That's just the name of the game here, immortality. But the power comes in our reaction to our circumstances. We will not be able to change so much of what happens to us, but we can always choose our response. And that is where our power is. So thank you for reminding me of that, Angela. And because my listeners don't know, Angela is just sunshine personified. You are just a happy, grateful person, but you have chosen that. So I appreciate that example because we all need to make that choice when hard things come. And we now are moving on to another challenge that you've dealt with, which from what I understand has been one of the greatest in your life, and that is the loss of your father. Uh, he, how old was he when he passed? He was 59. 59. So at, at a young age, that's been, I know, very difficult for you and your family. Would you share a bit about his passing and some of the, the challenges related to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, he died in um, 2015. Um, after I would say quite a quite a long stretch of um, of health challenges with his heart, um, he had um, a faulty heart valve, um, and my brother was also born with that same condition. Um, and now my mum's discovered that she has um, a faulty heart valve. She never knew that, but she's just found that out. Um, and um, yeah, he dad was experiencing um, just his breathing was was quite challenging for him, and he just you know you you remember my dad very you know strong gregarious like mm-hmm. personality guy, um, and to me he was always somebody who was very strong. Um, I mean, when I was born, uh, my dad worked in uh, the butchering trade. He was he was a butcher, and he would carry huge sides of meat over his shoulders up and down stairs. Like my dad was just the strongest person, and so to kind of see him kind of be um, reduced to somebody who felt weak all the time. That was quite hard to see. Yeah, the the odds were not in his favour. Where was Katniss Everdeen at, at his rescue? Uh, <laughs> she was. The odds were definitely not stacked in his favour with the with the surgery that was in front of him. But he he just he said, "I have to try because I can't keep living like this." And he he put a brave face on it for people, uh, but he was he was really really struggling, um, and so he had the surgery. The surgery was successful, um, and then he just yeah he, he seemed to be picking up a little bit. And actually, um, I went to see him the day before he passed away, and 
again, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I'll go and see him because, you know, he'd had a lot of visitors that day and I just thought, I don't want to tire him out, but I just felt prompted, go and speak, go and see your dad. Um, so I was like, right, okay, I'll go in and see him. Um, little did I know that that was the last time I would see him and he looked so well. He looked like the best that I'd seen him. We we got a phone call in the middle of the night that, um, please, can you come down to the hospital? Um, yeah, and, and he just unexpectedly passed away. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was just really a surreal time. Um, and, of course, I went into battle mode um you know all this sibling I decided that this is going to be hard but I'm going to have to be strong for my siblings and and for mum um and I remember having to phone my siblings up and tell them that dad had passed away probably the worst comp the worst phone call that I've ever had to make actually um but I just felt, right, okay, I've got to get on with this. And it was just kind of, right, I've got to do this, got to do this. I got home from the hospital and I just remember kind of curling up and crying in a ball. And then it got to the time when I was supposed to be going to teach seminary. I just thought, right, okay, let's go. I'll go teach seminary. And I know that to a lot of people they were like why you know why didn't you just stay at home you don't have to go and teach seminary and but to me normalcy and routine is really really important that is that's just what keeps me focused and and so I decided to go and teach seminary and I was really grateful that I did it was something that was normal something that was you know made sense because losing dad did not make sense to me it was uh, yeah I just I felt a little bit numb I just felt completely like someone pulled the rug from under my life and said right there you go Angela deal with this and uh, yeah it, it was just like everything became really temporary really uncertain and and that was, I just felt really, really vulnerable. Um, and that is not a nice feeling for me. I, I like, I like structure. I like to know where I am. I like certain, I don't like uncertainty. I'm not very good with it at all. Looking back, I possibly should have gone and, and got some kind of counselling, grief counselling, whatever. But I just decided that I would just plough on and try to fill my spiritual well as much as possible. So I was obviously studying my scriptures. I was praying. I was attending the temple a lot. I was listening to general conference talks. I was listening to, to uplifting music. I was doing anything that I could to help me to be able to feel um, the feelings of the Holy Ghost but I was still feeling incredibly numb and that was again something that I wasn't used to um, and um, when I've listened to Elder Holland's talks and talks from Elder Updorf as well they both seem to understand the complexities a little bit of 
depression and anxiety and things like that and so you know things that they kind of said about um feelings of numbness feelings of uh, not being able to feel the holy ghost as much uh with as much intensity um all those kind of things um and i just remember one day driving home from the temple uh, I was driving near Saddleworth Moor, which is a really desolate kind of really um, bleak. Think Wuthering Heights, think Moorland, like really like desolate. And I just remember driving past there and this cloud that, had, that I felt was overshadowing me that was kind of weighing down on me. It felt like it was lifting I'd, and and I, that's the only way that I can describe it, really. Those feelings of numbness, those feelings of feeling overwhelmed by the grief. At that point, it just felt like it was it was lifting. Now, that's not to say that, oh, my grief's gone. That's fine. Because, obviously, we're five years on now, um, and we still miss dad incredibly but the i think grief is something that you just navigate through it never kind of leaves you really you still miss that person but um i'm really blessed that i have a lot of happy memories um you know with dad um we have a lot of happy memories as a family that we can draw from um, and we still talk about him often. We'll say, oh, dad would have loved this. Or, you know, like he would have found that really funny. Like he's still he's still a part of of life to us. Um, you know, we're sealed together as a family. Um, and, you know, we believe that those ties are eternal. And I know that, that I definitely feel that that's true, that, that those you know eternal family ties that we have um that they are they are there and are very strong um yeah it's pretty clear to those who will be listening that you are made of strong stuff angela um you have made the choice to see god in all of this and to seek him even when, as you described, feeling very numb, that eventually that burden was lifted by Christ. And I believe that Christ is always there in in our lowest moments when we can't feel him. I know he's always there. But I also know that there is so much power in, in proactivity as we earnestly seek to feel the Spirit that we're more able to. And that's not rocket science, but God can bless those who seek his blessings earnestly. You've seen the fruits of that in your life. So thank you, Angela, for your testimony and your your time today. But of course, we have to always ask our last and final question, which is, why are you still rowing and choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ? I believe, really, it comes down to the fact that I know that um, the Savior is helping me through through his atonement through the grace that he offers to me 
um, as imperfect as I am, um, as weak as I am, um, is with me in my strengths as well. Um, there's room for me at his table, regardless of of where I am, the stage I am in life. He, there's room for me um, where he is, and uh, yeah, I, I know that he lives and that and that he loves me, um, and that he is always extending that grace to me. Um, and thank goodness for that because where would we be without without that grace and and without that um power that the atonement can bring um to our lives as we try to overcome challenges and weaknesses and it comes down to the savior really having faith in him faith that he will do what he said that that he'll do to help us to to lift our burdens to to just to continue to to endure to the end um, and we don't do that alone um, we do that with him he lifts he lifts our burdens he runs alongside us he pleads for us um, and and I'm just I know that I am reliant and dependent upon him um, and that's something that that I've come to know throughout my life. Thank you, Angela. And thank you for giving me my fill, my my weekly quota of your beautiful Yorkshire accent. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) But thanks again. I appreciate your time and testimony today. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. If you would like a little daily motivation to keep rowing, you can find me on Instagram at churchofjesuschrist underscore sr underscore podcast and on Facebook at churchofjesuschristsrpodcast. Also, if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you would go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, that would help us spread the word about Still Rowing. Thanks again for listening.